K-A-L-W. It starts defensively. If you can defend at a high level in the playoffs, you always have a chance. Will Iguodala foul Lillard? Almost stolen. Lillard stolen by Iguodala. Took it out of his hands. Curry from half court. It's up. It's over. Golden State survives and wins game two. Steve, do you feel like you dodged a bullet there tonight? Oh, totally. We, t- we stole that game. Uh, I thought they outplayed us uh, for much of the night, uh, the majority of the night. It could be argued the Portland Trailblazers outplayed the Golden State Warriors the majority of the series. After Game 1, the Blazers had the lead for most every contest. They led by 17 in Game 2, even more in Game 3. But Draymond Green and the Dubs didn't worry. We know we can cover 17 points in a matter of 3-4 minutes. And so we always try to keep that mindset that we're never out of the game. And we just need to make solid plays. It definitely helps to have number 30 who, you know, they go up 17 and he hits a three. Curry for three. That's good. Steph Curry from downtown. You know, it just kind of puts them back on their heels and it shifts the momentum for us. After winning game three, the Warriors had a chance to close out the series in Portland. But with Andre Iguodala joining the Dubs' other fallen stars, the super team was down to its core trio, Curry, Green, and Clay Thompson. We're a super team for a reason, or quote-unquote super team, just because we got guys who do it all. Again, the team fell behind by 17 points. But the Warriors' three aces came through one more time against a full house of hostile fans. Thompson for three. Puts it in. Thompson rattles it home to tie the game. Five to shoot. Back to Curry. Draymond Green tries a three. It's good. Draymond Green drills the three. Lillard gets it. Lillard from the corner for three. Won't go. And that'll do it. The Warriors do it again. Stephen Curry and Draymond Green each had double figures in points, assists, and rebounds. It was the first game in NBA playoff history that teammates got triple doubles. But that wasn't the only historical feat the team pulled off. As they defeat the Blazers here in overtime and advance to their fifth consecutive NBA Finals. I hope it doesn't uh, go unnoticed or underrated. You know, five straight finals hasn't been done since the 60s, since Bill Russell's Celtics. hasn't been done for a reason. It's really, really difficult. So I, I just can't say enough about the uh, competitive desire of the, the group of players that we have here and the, the culture that they've built together. You know, we're trying to go win this thing. It's never the goal just to get there. I've been to a finals and lost. It's no fun. So trying to get it done. This is Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. I'm Ben Trefney. Going into these Western Conference Finals, one of many storylines involved Trailblazers star Damian Lillard. He grew up near Oakland's Oracle Arena in Brookfield Village. He takes his hometown pride seriously. He literally wears it every game. It looks like he wears the number zero, but he says it's an O for Oakland. Basketball was real big here in Oakland, and uh, that was a big part of my youth, a big part of the reason why I was able to get a scholarship and, and earn my education. Um, so, I mean, out of the, with the low statistics, the low percentage of people to actually get this opportunity, um, you know, it's a blessing that I've, I've been able to live it. He's one of many great basketball players to come out of the town. There's Jason Kidd. And the Mavericks, Jason Kidd. Oh, what a pass to Terry. Makes the defensive play, gets the steal. 
and as pretty of a pass as you'll ever see. Gary Payton. And there's Gary Payton, the stealer. Leads the league in steals. He's got four steals in the game. And we heard Coach Steve Kerr refer to the best of them all, Bill Russell. The man won 11 NBA championships. Crazy. But none of those guys played for their hometown team. Bo Walsh has the story of one guy who did. My name is Joe Ellis. I grew up in Oakland. Ellis hurries it up the left side for the Warriors. He had 21 last night against Phoenix and a great defensive job. It was pretty easy. All you needed was a basketball and a, and, and a playground and a hoop. And you could, you know, you could play by yourself. And yeah, that's what I did. Picked up by Joe Ellis. Here come the Warriors running. Ellis into forecourt. Jump shot, Joe. Off he's got it. He streaks in for a layup from the side and scores. I went to McClyman's High School over there. I uh, had really good... Uh, basketball program. Russell blocks it. This is a three-on-two break. Casey Jones goes in and makes it. Bill Russell was a McClyman's player. He uh, you know, left here and went to USF where he really blossomed at USF. He was, uh, you know, he was an okay player in high school. You know, he, was a late, he was a late bloomer. And the Babe Ruth of basketball, All-American Bill Russell. The city of San Francisco, with great pride in the wonderful university that bears its name, opened up its hearts to the all-conquering Dons following their return home. There was tons of talent in Oakland. Mosswood, Defermery Park, Shields Park in uh, Richmond. We'd just go wherever there were games. The guys from the playgrounds uh, were better than a lot of the guys that were playing college ball. It was interesting. You all, when you played out there, you were always competing against people that were had were in college or were just really, really good players. When I graduated from McClymouth in 62, I went to University of San Francisco, spent four years there. 10 to 8, San Francisco. Don's won a couple of national championships, remember those, with Bill Russell and Casey Jones back in the mid-50s? I just realized that this was the place, I thought this would, would be the best place for me. So I didn't, I didn't set out to stay here, I was open to going to other places, but once I went and, and uh, took those recruiting trips and see how people treated you, then, uh, you know, I just decided that San Francisco would be would be the best place for me. This is not a team that quits on you. San Francisco has come back in the past. They can do it. There were people that, uh, you know, that watched me when I was in high school that would come and watch us, uh, watch me play at USF. Uh, because, you know, we played all of the Bay Area schools. I mean, it was always, we always played Stanford and Cal, so we were up and down the peninsula and across the bay. But let me say something to the folks in the Bay Area. Stay behind this team. They're a young team. They will be back. Out in San Francisco, they raise the championship banner and prepare to play the crippled Los Angeles Lakers. My first introduction to the NBA was when the Warriors moved to San Francisco from Philadelphia in 1962, and that's when I was a freshman at USF. They used to play some of their games at our facility, and so I would go down and, and watch them play. So that was really my first introduction to the NBA. 48, 42, San Francisco. This big crowd roaring with every San Francisco bucket. I really didn't think about professional basketball while I was playing. You know, and 
wasn't really aware of the draft. And, you know, when I got drafted, my coach called me, the people that had called me into the office and told me that I'd been drafted number two by the Warriors. And I just, you know, okay. Didn't know what to expect. Didn't really understand what that meant. Bounce pass on the right to Ellis. Flat foot jumper, 18 feet. Good. San Francisco uh, was one of the teams that uh, drafted locally. Um, and Franklin Muley's theory was that if I drafted locally, I had local players that people would come to the stands and watch him play. Saw the biggest crowd ever what the basketball game in the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Thomas Sherry was drafted by the Warriors. And now Thomas Sherry shooting. Thomas Sherry had 17 points in that first quarter on Wednesday night. And then Phil Smith from San Francisco was also drafted by the Warriors. Rookie guard Phil Smith, number 20, checks in for Golden State. This is a young man that Coach Al Adams is really high on this kid, Phil Smith. So we had a number of uh, uh, local players. Passes over to Ellis, straight away. Ellis fakes, then drives parallel to the lane, but well out to the right. Bob and Weave dribble a turn, a jumper, a good one! A 15-footer. Ellis with 16, fires it up court on the right side. Ellis sliding along with a left-hand dribble. Ellis top of the key, a jumper, good! Holy Toledo! Ellis has caught fire again. I think people, when they see you play at one level, they expect you to be just as good at that the next level. And, and what they don't understand is that the step from one plateau to the next is, I mean, that's a really big step. May I have the same success you had in college as you in the pros. Top of the key, Robertson pass intercepted by Ellis. Ellis dribbling Oscar after him. Ellis pulls up right of the key, 18 feet jumper. That's good. Ellis has five out of five. He hasn't missed yet tonight. We didn't have a really big following. We had some really good years and we had some, we had some down years during, during my period. Past the right side to Ellis in deep to Lee. Right of the lane gets to Ellis, slicing from right to left. Down the lane to lay it in. Give and go with Ellis and Clyde Lee. The 49ers and the, the Giants were the obvious draws. We, you know, we had to, we had to fight for fans because we weren't uh, like the current day Warriors where we were winning every game or uh, that when we stepped out on the floor. And you recall that's just what they did the last time the teams played at the Cow Palace when Cincinnati was very impressive in chalking up an easy win that night. We were all over the place, you know, and it. Uh, uh, you had to kind of look at the schedule to see where you were playing, you know, whether it was the Cow Palace or, or the Civic Auditorium. And, you know, there were times when you when you went to the wrong place. <laughs> so it, it, was, uh, it was an interesting time. All right, a panoramic view of the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, a 10-point lead for Golden State over Los Angeles. It was a welcome relief when we got to... Uh, uh, to the Coliseum and start playing in Oakland because we knew where we we're going to be playing every night, every home game. Welcome to Oakland. The Golden State Warriors are off and rolling. As you can see, they lead 30 to 17. It was monumental. You know, you had consistently hot water. <laughs> you had dressing areas that you weren't cramped. So it was uh, it was definitely an upgrade. There's Franklin Muley, the owner of the Golden State Warriors. Well, he's got to be happy about the outcome of this if it continues as it is. It was starting to build up. We were getting we were getting more people in uh, in Oakland than we were uh, in San Francisco because we were drawing from uh, the East, uh, Dublin, Livermore. Back to Oakland. We'll do it again. Golden State can hoop it up with two seconds. They have to bring it all the way down. A lot, a lot more of the people that knew me in high school. I think a lot more people paid a little bit more attention, you know, because we had that stigma where people from Oakland 
we weren't transferring back and forth across the bay like they are today. You know, people from San Francisco generally didn't go to Oakland, and people in Oakland didn't come to San Francisco. So it just gave uh, gave people on that side a chance to uh, to kind of follow me a little more closely. Up court to Ellis. Ellis across now. Top of the key. 21 foot jumper. Good again. That last one came from Hagenberger Road. I had about three careers <laughs> after basketball. When I left the Warriors in basketball, I, I worked for IBM for 17 and a half years as a salesperson. And then after I left there, I went to Park and Recreations in San Francisco. Park and Recreation has been 15 years there. So I've had a number of careers. Listen to this crowd. They've come alive in Oakland. Back to within seven as the intensity picks up for the Golden State fan. In my estimation, it's the best spectator sport that you could ever have. And I think it was probably inevitable that it was going to get to this point, but I don't think anybody imagined that would be where it is today. I just talked to Steph Curry's agent. They just agreed in principle with the Warriors on the richest contract in NBA history, five years. $201 million. The money is crazy. It, it, it's really crazy. It's almost obscene how much money you know these guys are, are making. But you know, you can only make it if people are willing to give it to you. So uh, good for them. And the final regular season seconds of 47 years in this incredible building. I think that the people in the East Bay have been really, really good fans for them. I mean, they pack that stadium every night, and I understand that a lot of the people are going to keep their season tickets and come over here, but I think there are a lot of people that's not going to be able to come and see the Warriors play simply because they've moved back to this side. So I have a, little, I have a few misgivings, but you know, I think they're going to be successful wherever they go. That story was reported and produced by Bo Walsh. Next time on Bounce, the Golden State Warriors earned a little time off before the NBA Finals. No games for a little while, but there is still practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Could not resist using that, Allen Iverson. Yes, we're going to take you inside one of the last Warriors practices in downtown Oakland. Because you never know what you're going to hear at a press conference. Like what Clay Thompson listens to when he meditates. I try to put on classical Pandora or some nature sounds. I can't listen to like rap or hip-hop while I do it because then I just get distracted. It's nice, man. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's much harder than working out. But uh, especially for me, I got uh, my mind races, so it's a good practice for me. Unexpected conversations behind the scenes on the next Bounce. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'll have new episodes every Wednesday through the end of the season. Subscribe now and spread the word. It's almost the end of the run. Bounce is a production of KALW Public Radio. Our theme music is made by Daoud Anthony. Artwork is by David Boyer with Illuminaries. Our team includes Shereen Adel, Gabe Graben, James Rollins, and Marco Sila Gonzalez. I'm Ben Trefney. One more series to go. Do you have a favorite classical composer? Uh, 
<laughs> no, nah, man. Mozart, I don't know. Beethoven. How long can you go for? 10 minutes, 15? Let's try to go 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard.